Well, good afternoon. Appreciate Aaron for leading uh, some of those songs. I do want to clear up, because he made me seem awful bossy there in that. I want to make sure all of the facts are laid out. Uh, John and I had talked about um, reading from the end of the book of Psalms, and uh, we had talked about the idea of whoever was leading singing, that uh, maybe they could lead some songs of praise that would uh, enhance our worship. We thought both thought that was a good idea, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and that just kind of floated out of our heads for most of last week until Thursday, I think, late in the week. A text was sent to Aaron asking him if he could lead those songs for us. And he texted back and said, I've already sent my songs in. Uh, and uh, they're, they're picked out and done. And, and we sent another text and said, well, if you could change your mind, that would be super helpful. But all of those texts, even though I was in the stream, originated from John Morgan, not me. <laughs> I can show you that. I can prove that. But we certainly appreciate Aaron for doing that. We're going to spend some time with the few minutes that we have, as we have in the past, of taking a piece of scripture, reading it together, and making some points and application from it. And and what we have chosen is the very end of the book of Psalms. We think about the book of Psalms, it easily, uh, by way of chapters, is the longest book that we have in God's word. 150 chapters, or 150 Psalms. And for the most part, each of those psalms are standalone. There are from time to time couplings where you have in very similar sounding psalms, but for the most part, they are standalone psalms. When you move from one and you get to the next chapter, it'll be something different, and then the next chapter will be something different. But the very end of the book of Psalms is quite different from that. Because Psalm 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50, the last five songs, are all put together. They are the same. They are referenced a lot of times as the Hallelujah Psalms. All of them have very similar beginnings and ends. You'll take notice of that here in just a moment. And each and every one of them focuses on simply praising God. Now, we talked a little bit about this morning, the importance of that. That as we live a life fully focused upon God, living a life for his eyes only, a big part of that is filling my life with praise. Not not just here collectively, although that is important, but filling my life with praise. And this book of Psalms is a great way to kind of introduce that to us. And I do find it interesting, we'll have to save this for another time, but I do find it interesting how the book of Psalms begins with a, in Psalm 1, with a really foundational principle, but yet also how the book ends with a very basic foundational principle. And that principle is, God is deserving, most certainly worthy of all praise. All praise from man, from animal, from creation itself. God is deserving of all praise. And as we read through these five psalms together, I'm going to cover 146 and 147. John will cover 148, 49, and 50. 
just as a little precursor, just to kind of help your mind a little bit, look for two things. You're going to see it over and over and over again. But look for two common themes, and they will help us when we're thinking about our praise. As we praise them in prayer, as we should do each and every time we pray, as we praise them in our life, in our thoughts, in our song, two fundamental ways that we can praise God. Number one, praising God for who he is. And secondly, praising God for what he has done. Those two themes will play not just in these five songs, but throughout Scripture and some of the easiest ways that we can praise God even today. Praise him for who he is. Praise him for what he has done. As we read through these psalms together, look for those two things. And we'll point out a couple of other things as we go along. So let's read Psalm 146 together. We'll make a little point about something that sticks out for me. Then we'll read 147 together, do the same, and then I'll pass my time over to John. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth, and that very day his plans perish. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Now you're going to continue to see, I asked you to look for similarities, and one of the similarities you're going to see is how each of these psalms begin and end. Praise the Lord. And it's, it's such an arbitrary kind of phrase, the way that we hear it today. But I would encourage you, don't allow that phrase to escape your vernacular. There are moments just to praise God for who he is. Praise the Lord for this has occurred. Praise God because he is this. Praise God because he has done this. That simple, very basic phrase, I'll begin by saying, do not allow that phrase to ever escape from your everyday vernacular. And it is used surely here in 146, 147, 8, 9, and 50. But the one thing I do want to pick, point out about Psalm 146, lots of different directions that we can go. We're just going to pick out a, a one or two things that kind of stick out. But what really sticks out to me is how this psalm begins. And one particular phrase that I really like per what we talked about this morning. Let's take one more look at it. Psalm 146, 1 and 2. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God. And here's the phrase I like. While I have my being. What an interesting phrase that is. A lot of times when I look up in different translations, you get a different phrase. And a lot of times as I use the New King James, the New American Standard, or the English Standard will oftentimes have a different phrase uh, that, that can all, a lot of times be helpful. But what was interesting here is uh, it's not a different phrase in those translations. Both the New American Standard and the ESV uses that same idea, while I have my being. But the NIV renders it a touch different than I like because he closes that line with, I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. I love that. I love that. Because it really paints the picture a lot of ways of what we talked about this morning. That as long as I have breath in the body that I am in, I will use that breath to praise God. It is such an interesting way to think. As long as I live, as long as I have my being, I will praise God with my songs. And I think in a lot of ways, certainly piecing all of this together, is the idea is very simple. God gave me my life. Most certainly my parents were involved, but ultimately God gave me life. He is the one who formed me in my mother's womb. God gave me life. And when we begin to think about it that way, it's only right. And it's only fitting that I then use that life to praise him. He gave it to me. He put me into the position that I am in this life. And so when we begin to think about it that way, I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. What an incredible promise that is that the psalmist makes here. And it's one that I desperately hope that I would be able to keep as well. It's certainly one that I'd like to verbalize, but one I pray that I can keep that I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. Let's take a look at 147. 147. Praise the Lord. Should sound similar. For it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God, who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him 
and those who hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them and causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise the Lord. We think about 147, a touch longer than what 146. What stood out to me is the breakdown of this psalm. The specifics that are used here may, by way of application, come across for us a bit differently. But the points that are made for praise are quite the same that we can use today. The first is at the very beginning. It is good and pleasant to praise God. Did you notice at the very beginning? Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant And praise is beautiful. It uplifts. It encourages. It makes us joyful. It puts us in a position of calm and comfort and peace. It is good and it is pleasant that we praise. And this psalm then presents three reasons why people should praise the Lord. I asked you at the very beginning, anytime we're reading through scripture and praise is brought out, look for who he is or what he has done. Those are the two things that oftentimes are made mention of. And so here in this text, specifically three reasons that we should praise the Lord. The first is praise the Lord because he cares for his people. Did you notice that? Verse 6 or verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds their wounds. Verse 6, he lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down. He cares for his people. Praise God for that. Secondly, praise the Lord because he provides. Verse 8, he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares the rain. He makes the grass grow. He gives the beasts its food. Praise God because he provides. And thirdly, praise the Lord because he speaks the truth. Praise God because of his word. And you see that in 15, he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. Verse 18, he sends out his word. Verse 19, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes, his judgments. Praise God because he speaks the truth. And so those three things are reasons for us even today that we can praise God. Let's praise God because he cares for his people, including us, right here at Trader's Point and the care he shows for each and every one. We can praise God because of the good things that he provides us with right here in the city of Indianapolis and the country that we live in and the physical things that God does for us in his creation. Let's praise God for that. We can praise God because of his word. 
the truth that he has provided us with that gives us everything we need in order to have a relationship with him. We need to praise God for that. Two psalms, praising God for who he is and what he has done. Three more to go, and I'll tag off to John. All right, let's continue reading in Psalm 148. As Jeremy did, we're going to read each of these psalms, and I'll stop and make a brief point about them, and then we'll finish up for the evening. So continuing on in Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heaven of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let, the praise, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. Those words should sound familiar to you because they were words that we just sang a moment ago. So beautiful and poetic the way that they're written. But the one thing that I want to call your attention to specifically with this psalm is how over and over, the psalmist says, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, his angels, his hosts, the moon, the stars of light, the beasts, the trees, everything praises God. Everything in both the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm. Did you catch that? Because the angels praise him, the hosts praise him, the heavens praise him. That's almost too much for our minds to comprehend. To first of all think that even the inanimate objects in this world that God created praise him. Just by their very existence, they praise God. But even in the spiritual realm, where there are so many questions that are going to go unanswered, while on this side of eternity, as to what that truly looks like, the psalmist recognizes that everything in the spiritual realm praises God. As they should, because he created them as well. He created us, he created the trees, he created the clouds, he created the waters, he created the angels, he created the heavens and the hosts in heaven. All things were created by God, for God, through God. And as verse 5 tells us, he rules over 
all. He is the only one. He is the only one in the physical realm or the spiritual realm worthy of that praise. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. There is no other being worthy of our praise. Certainly no other human being. There is no other spiritual being worthy of our praise. The angels are not worthy of our praise. Only God is worthy of our praise. And the psalmist so beautifully depicts this as he in poetic form talks about everything that God has created. And in their very existence, they bring praise to him. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor, have all his saints praise the Lord. This psalm is really interesting to me. This is my favorite one of the five we're looking at this evening because the beginning of this psalm and the end of this psalm sound very different. Did you notice that as we were reading through it? Everybody's rejoicing and praise and music and everything's wonderful. And the end of this psalm is execute vengeance on the nations. Bind kings with chains. Execute on them written judgment. Praise the Lord. The contrast between the beginning of this psalm and the end really caught my attention. But then as I started thinking about that, here's something that's really fascinating about the psalms in particular. There are entire psalms written and dedicated, asking God to bring vengeance and swift punishment on those who deny him, on those who blaspheme him, on those who sin against him, those who seek to harm his people. And we are to praise him for that judgment that he brings upon them. It's a lot easier for us to think about praising God for his love and for his mercy and for his patience, for his long-suffering, and we should and we do praise him for all of those things. But just like we praise God for all of those things, we should also praise him for his perfect and his righteous justice. 
In fact, several of the psalms that we've talked about tonight have mentioned this already. Jeremy read in Psalm 146, in verse number 9, The Lord watches over the strangers, he relieves the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. 147, verse 6, The Lord lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked down to the ground. God's judgment is to be praised. In fact, it should bring us comfort and peace and joy to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God will punish those who have determined in their heart to deny him and to blaspheme his name. And so as we pray for our enemies... We should pray for soft hearts. We should pray for their repentance. But if they refuse to repent, if they determine in their hearts to deny God, the creator of all things, then we should praise God that his justice will be carried out. We should praise God for his power to do so. We should praise God that we don't have to be the judge, but that he is the perfect judge. And praise be to God for that. Last one this evening, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did he get his point across? <laughs> the last point I want to make this evening is that it is impossible to overdo it when it comes to praise. Now, I don't have to make that point. I think the psalmist is making that point for us. It is impossible to overdo it. It is impossible to praise God too much. It is impossible to praise God too often. In fact, the greatest words that we could conjure up in our mind aren't even enough to praise God. And so, as Jeremy mentioned, in our prayers, it should just ooze out of us. When we come together to worship, praise should be at the forefront of our mind. But every single day, every single moment, praise should be at the forefront of our mind. Because we cannot praise Him enough. There could have been another 150 psalms written all dedicated to praising God, and we would still fall short in what he deserves from us. He is that awesome. He is that powerful. He is that wonderful. There is no such thing as too much praise. So live your life reflecting that truth. Praise him every chance you get and in every way you can. For as long as he gives you breath. 
I want to conclude this evening by extending to you an invitation, and I want to use one of the verses that we read this evening to do that from Psalm 149. 149 and verse number 4, one of the reasons that the psalmist is praising God is because the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. What an amazing thought that is, for God to beautify the humble with salvation. He has extended to all of us an opportunity to be made beautiful by the Creator, to be made perfect in His eyes. And He does so by extending to us the gift of His grace to save us from our sins and to be called one of His people, one that He takes pleasure in. That is the offer, that is the opportunity that God has put before each of us. And so this evening as we conclude, I want to ask you, are you one of God's people? Are you one of God's people that he takes pleasure in? Are you one of God's people that he has beautified with salvation? Because the contrast that we've already talked about is someone who has denied God, someone who has turned their back on God, someone who has chosen not to be one of his people. And his perfect justice requires punishment, but his perfect grace offers salvation. And so the opportunity is available this evening. If you've not become a child of God, he extends to you the invitation be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to become a child of his, one that he takes pleasure in, and allow him to extend to you the beauty of salvation. Or if you've done that in the past, but maybe as you think about those two contrasting people, maybe you see yourself as someone who has begun to push away from God again. Maybe you're not praising him the way that he demands and deserves because of his patience and because of his long-suffering, he's given you an opportunity to come back to him. And if we can help you in any way to do that this evening, please come to the front and let us know while we stand and sing.